Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 767 with Jamie Giovinazzo. The idea that anybody in Alabama can order Eat Clean Bro. As like a kid who came from the gym, who was cooking for his friends. Just Alabama, dude. We service 100% of Alabama. It just that state just blows my mind. Just like as a kid from Jersey, you know, like that's just as a businessman, like that place was just never on my radar. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Insights, tools, and training to build a better restaurant, better business, and better life. That's what you get with restaurantowner.com. And honestly, as far back as I can remember over the past eight years, I think Restaurant Owner is probably the most recommended resource on the show for independent restaurant owners. And right now, I've struck a special deal with restaurantowner.com. When you join Restaurant Unstoppable Network, you get six months free access to restaurantowner.com. That's a great deal. Not to mention your first 30 days of Restaurant Unstoppable Networker on us. So what are you waiting for? Get on it. This episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And Seven Shifts is trusted by over 400,000 restaurant professionals because it gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.sevenshifts.com. Slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. What are you doing right now? I'll tell you what you're doing if you're in the market for a new POS. You're headed to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to set up your own demo, and you're going to find out why it's the most recommended POS on the show by a landslide. Guys, if you use my link, not only will you get the incentives that Toast is offering you by using the link I'll also share my commission with you. I'll split my commission with you 50-50 after taxes. That's about $2,000. So I'll send you a check for $1,000 to say thank you and to help support you during these weird times. Again, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. What's going on on Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today. But before I let you know what we got going on, I just want to give you guys a quick reminder to please support the show. There's a bunch of different ways you can do that. If you support our sponsors, that supports the show. That tells our sponsors that it's worth supporting the show and they'll buy more ad space. Uh, you can also join our network. One of our sponsors right now, restaurantowner.com, uh, is offering six months of free service. That's $180 worth of value right now. When you sign up for Restaurant Unstoppable Network, you will get six months of free restaurantowner.com. And uh, the reason why I'm doing this is because I know that I could try to start my own archive of resources and tools, uh, but 
why try to start from scratch when I could partner with restaurantowner.com who's being recommended time and time again from the, the very beginning of the show to current day. They continue to get recommended a ton on the show, and I just believe in the service. So we're partnering. So right now, when you sign up, when you go to the show notes, this is episode 767. So head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 767. Right at the very top of the show notes, I'm going to put a link for a 30-day trial to the network. When you sign up for Restaurant Unstoppable Network, instantly you get six months access to restaurantowner.com of value, again, of $180. Um, So... Yeah, right now is a good time to sign up for the network. Also, uh, let me connect you with the tools and services being recommended on the show. Not necessarily the sponsors, but any tool or service that's been recommended on the show. Typically, I reach out to them. I become an affiliate of their products and services. And if you're interested uh, in that service, if I connect you, if you let me connect you, they'll pay me a commission and it's at no extra expense to you. Honestly, I'll probably get you the best deal out there. Uh, And then... Lastly, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. Uh, iTunes is by far the number one most listened to platform. So if you're on those platforms, help help us stay at the number one spot and leave a five-star review. And uh, I just can't say thank you enough. Thank you in advance if you, if you do leave one of those reviews. So today we have Rob Giuliani's called-out guest. Rob is the founder of Pliables. Uh, he called out this guest, and I'm, I'm not mentioning the name intentionally because I'm trying to be better about building suspense, but it's a good one. Uh, we talk about failure a lot in today's episode. We talk about improving yourself before you can ever be successful in business, and we talk about the importance of relationships in business and really existing to create opportunities for others and to, to just to have that abundance mentality. All right, here it is. I hope you enjoy it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest. He is the founder of Eat Clean Bro, a meal delivery service that started from a conversation at the gym and a vision to help people be more healthy. In 2013, after seven failed attempts and only $300, Eat Clean Bro was finally able to get off the ground and hasn't stopped scaling since. As of 2019, Eat Clean Bro has tens of thousands of customers across 11 states, and I know you've scaled recently beyond that, but with no further ado, Jamie Giovinazzo, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm unstoppable, baby. Yes, that is what we like to hear, and I can't wait to dive into your story. Real quick, though, tell us tell us what the current numbers are uh, as far as how far you've scaled since 2019. We've scaled way more. Way more. How many states <laughs> are you in now? Um, Jeez. You know, we're, I think we're in like, we're in the same amount of states, but I always just, anytime when I think about it, the idea that anybody in Alabama can order Eat Clean Bro, as like a kid who came from the gym, who was cooking for his friends, and not just any, but just Alabama, dude, we service 100% of Alabama. It just, that state just blows my mind. Yeah, man. Uh, just like as a kid from Jersey, you know, like that's just as a businessman, like that place was just never on my radar. Like, yeah, you want to get down to Florida, but like Alabama, I'm just like, wow. And yeah, I, it's crazy. I think man. we're, we might even be in parts of, I don't, 
not sure if we're in Louisiana, but uh, the <laughs> well, Alabama. I know that really I think it was in like, in like 2014 or something, maybe 2015. I saw some numbers. You guys were doing like 1.5 million, and in four years from that point, you scaled to 15 million gross. Yeah, uh, and that was in 2019. Just to get the listeners an idea of the rate of growth you guys have been experiencing, uh, and, and it's crazy. But before we dive into your full story, <laughs> let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? A man can fail many times but he is not a failure until he gives up. Yes, man. A great way to get this thing started. I think it's a perfect uh, way for you to start this conversation because seven attempts uh, before finally getting traction. Uh, But why don't you bring it, bring it back to when this thing all first started to take off. So um, we started to take off in um, the fourth quarter of 2014 but it started back even beyond that, right? You were oh, 19 yeah. years old. Yeah, in 2005. So in 2005, I was completely shredded. Uh, unlike now, <laughs> dad bod. Hey, good um, thing the dad bod's <clears throat> in right now, though. You're. I was shredded. I was shredded in 2012. I was in pretty good shape in 13 and 14. But I was like, the business grew, and my responsibility grew, and my stress level grew, and just life just kept coming at me faster and faster and fat. Like, you know. I cook for really famous people, man. And when they call the when they call my phone, dude, I stop what I'm doing and I make sure they're taken care of. So there's just so much money on the line, so much on the line. Um, but that's why I'm not shredded anymore. So <laughs> there's this guy Peter on the internet who's calling me fat. So hey, fuck you, Peter. <laughs> you all heard it. You heard it right here. Unstoppable. Uh, I'm but- unstoppable, Peter. <laughs> fucking, I was shredded when I was 18 too, Peter. <laughs> Bring us back to that time, though, uh, when you were 19 years old and somebody didn't it all start somebody reaching out to you or, or asking like, you know, <laughs> it's a really funny Jersey, like gym rat story. And I always joke around like I was a gym rat before it was cool to be a gym rat. Yeah. So if there was Instagram back in 2005, I'd you, be the I'd be the jerk with a million followers <laughs> getting paid to show my abs. But uh, so in 2005, um, stranger came up to me and was like, what do you eat? I said, you know, chicken, sweet potatoes, and broccoli, because that's all I ate. And uh, the guy asked me if I could make him some. So I wasn't really thinking about a business. I was just thinking, man, if I could cook for this guy and I could keep my personal trainer money, then, like, I could make, like, 200 bucks a week. <laughs> and that's all I really wanted when I was 19 yeah. years old, you know? <clears throat> so I started cooking for him. I was like, look, Matt. I'll do your meals for $3 and uh, I started cooking his food. And then the next day he went to his office and the two guys in his office wanted food too. So he came to me and he was like, Jamie, can you make their food too? I said, yo, Matt, like I could keep your price at three, but your boy's got to pay five. (laughs) (laughs) And then I started, and then like, what was ironic was it was my first time. And I just, I just, scooped up this massive corporate account and all these like back in 2005, 2006, the mortgage industry was on fire. So I started cooking for all these mortgage like brokers and like everybody was just, it was like Wolf of Wall Street, man. They were buying it. They're like, go get him, kid. Go get it. Take all the food I made him, just throw it in the garbage. Like just real wild. It was like a really wild, uh, I never really told that part of the story, but like the, the people I was cooking for, back in 2005 and along the along the way I failed a bunch of times simply because I was just I was just not prepared to own a business I was not prepared to 
run a food business, a lot of people really don't know the intricacies of like food and the, uh, just the level of responsibility it takes to be successful doing this. Like, um, to run a food, to to run a successful food business, you need to nail the friggin' every single step of the, of the journey. So like even something stupid, like you sit down at a restaurant and the bus boy doesn't clear your drink fast enough, you know, I could piss someone off and they don't want to go to that restaurant anymore. Yeah. But that was just like one piece of a 12 part step of like service where one person slipped and now the whole restaurant suffers. Uh, Like, so like those intricacies of like food and, the customer experience and just all these things, man, I really learned firsthand because I was, I was doing everything from start to finish and I was failing a lot. Yeah. uh, I'm curious, like reflecting back. I mean, you don't have to like go through each of the seven failures or the seven attempts, but reflecting back at the early days when you were just getting started um, and you were started, you started early, you were 19 years old. What what was happening between the time you were 19 and say 2013 when you really started, started to get, Traffic or attraction. <laughs> so I was a uh, oh man. Like I don't know how to say this, but like I guess I was always pretty like for from the outside looking in, I was always out of my mind. But like I was just a really big dreamer. You know, I always had like really big dreams. I always thought I could do it. But there was like a couple of parts of my game that I was missing. And uh, when I look back at the times I failed, a lot of the times it was because I partnered. Like my friend was my chef and like we would try to do it, but he wasn't cut out to be a businessman. Yeah. Like the ups and downs are just too stressful for people. And, uh, I had, I had failed dude. And I was going back and forth. I was like a club promoter. I was bartending. I was doing security. And, uh, but all the while, man, I, I was always close to like successful entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that failed. I find that I learned a lot from a lot of the people who failed more. It was, yeah. it was nice to be around winners, but damn, when you see somebody lose, it's almost like a traumatic event. You know, like when you see somebody fucking like my buddy, uh, I'll never forget when I was like 19, my buddy lost his pizzeria. I mean, that was horrible, traumatic just to see like when businesses like, especially now with like COVID-19, like, I don't know, like there's so many people who are scared to death of COVID-19 and it is scary and COVID yeah. is horrible. People are dying. Yeah. But like I put like, and, and this is fucking crazy, but when like someone loses their restaurant, that's like fucking dying to me, like to me and my passion and like how much I love food and knowing what I know, like what goes knowing into exactly, a restaurant, yeah. like, like, all right. Yeah. Some people fucking died. Legitimately. They died. But like, man, it's, it's like, uh, it's fucking when people lose their business, man. And, and the thing is, so when you lose your business, right, when you're refinancing your home, when you're fucking pulling money out of every, uh, you're, you're doing everything in your power to stay in business and then you don't make it. You're, it's just like, dude, you're, you lost your life. You're fucking in debt now. You can well, never get thing, out of that I, hole. I don't think people realize that the people who do make it in this industry, a lot of them have you know, dedicated their entire lives to, to starting small and, and slowly scaling and getting bigger and bigger and bigger until they finally have this thing that's worth something. You you have to, you have to, your heart has to go out to those people who have spent years, if not tens of years, yes. you know, building something to lose it overnight. I, you, you, it's yeah, hard that's why not. when like when people talk to me about business and they're like, oh man, COVID must be great for you. I'm like, dude, are you fucking serious, man? Like, unfortunately, <laughs> I was curious. Like, yeah, COVID, look, people are ordering, right? 
Eat Clean Bro has always done really well. People always love the food. I'm a I'm a lunatic to just like keep people happy, exceed expectations, like constantly improve, try to keep it um keep it interesting. Find new ways to better service people and keep and just keep people's lives easier, but man, it is so uncomfortable when people want to talk like positive about COVID when there's so many just dude, there's just, the restaurant industry is just being massacred and uh it's sad, man. Like I, I actually got I actually scooped up a couple new chefs. I, I'm overstaffed. I don't I don't need them, but I look at some of these people like uh like damn, like these are like famous baseball players to me. You yeah. know, like when someone's a talented chef and they're out of work, I'm like, Oh geez, dude, just fucking we'll find something for you to yeah. do. Like what like find a way to pay? Well, I mean, I think that if in. if you're in the position to do that right now, there's so much just human <clears throat> assets out there. You know, just people that by no, you know, fault of their own are without work. And you're scaling. I feel like now is the perfect time while people are out there looking for opportunity. Yeah. You know, like if you can if you can scoop these dudes up and these gals up and give them opportunity, then why not? You know, and I think that's smart. Even though you don't need it right now, like who knows six months from now, right. who's going to be left after? Like because there is going to be a ton of opportunity after this. I think this, that is the silver lining. I think there's a lot that needs to change with our industry, and I think hopefully that we we look at this as an opportunity to do things better when we all kind of hit the ground running again. Um, but back to your story with some of these failures, you mentioned early on um, that you, you had a business partner and a lot of your, your challenges were with finding the right partner. Um, what, what advice do you have when it comes to finding the right partner? And eventually you, you got a great partner who's not your wife, but we'll yeah. save that for later. <clears throat> I'm against partners. Mm. I don't think it works. Okay. I think if you could do it without a partner, do it. Isn't your, your wife a partner? She is my wife and she met, we met back in 2014. So I am the owner of eClean Bro. She came along and helped me and she is like technically, like I don't know what the technicality is, but she came along and she really fucking helped me a lot. She put me first. She put eClean Bro first and she really went for it with me. She's the CEO of e- Did I see that right? Or at one point? Yeah. yeah. So I mean- this is something that comes up a lot in the show. And I think it's yeah. funny because it's whenever I hear that you can't do it without a partner and, and that comes from somebody, they're usually married to the person that they're in business with and they say that they couldn't do it without their significant other. I'm like, well, isn't that a partnership? <laughs> like, how is um, that not a partnership? When, yo, when like you're married to somebody, <laughs> like, it's just different, man. Like, if I'll take your word for it because I don't know. Like, put it this way my wife, so like, what makes it easy, right? It's like, I think a lot of it comes down to like money. So in the beginning of eClean Bro, like the real eClean Bro, there was positions where I had bought somebody out of uh, an equity stake. There was like, a, it was like a, and I was making, a, I was taking a lot of risk. It's 2013. <clears throat> yeah. The, <clears throat> the risk, Um, the reason why I don't think it works with partners is because there was a lot of years where I had to sacrifice my income to make sure that the company had what it needed. Mm. So me and Kayla were together, her boyfriend and girlfriend. And she, from day one, she was down to like sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you start to own a multi-million dollar business, you know, most people want to go out and buy the fucking Range Rover, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the first thing they want to do. They want to get some crazy fucking car. And that's like the fucking dumbest thing you can do. 
when you start making money is buy that fucking car. So what is the right thing? What did you, I mean, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but I would like to know like what your, what your strategy was when that money yeah, did start. So my, my whole thing was always like better people, right? Your people make your business. So like as important as I am or my wife is like at this point, dude, there's so many good people here that like, I don't, I mean, obviously like we matter, but there's just, it, it has always been invest in management, talent, equipment, technology. Yeah, Those man. are like the four things that yeah. are like critical yep. and evolving. I, I can 100% get, get behind that. I always say two things determine your growth, cash flow and people. Right. Yep. Uh, and those are the two things because you need cash flow for the people. Right. <laughs> really yeah. is what it comes down to. And you're only as good as the people that you attract onto yourself. Uh, so I 100% get behind that. Uh, back to your earlier lessons uh, when you were, when you were, you know, the first seven attempts, like if you could like distill some of the biggest lessons you learned trying to get this thing off the ground, uh, the failures you did have. And you said that you had a lot of failures, but you kept showing up. And I love that. Like, what were some of the things that you could prevent other people from making from your own experiences um, that you know are likely to happen? So, like, I, I was always brought back into this because, like, I truly love it, man. Like, cooking for my friends, I would do it for free. And if you add up all the years I did this shit and made no money, like, I did do it for free. Yeah. I did it for free, and I got a hell of an education on the street just from just from a lot of human interactions. And it was a lot of like social, um, social interactions and just behaviors and just learning people, learning my customer firsthand, learning my, my industry firsthand, learning my product firsthand. Like, because we are like a technology business and I have no idea what the fuck goes on with this technology, man, like I, I really don't. But, but that's the best part about <laughs> recognizing that you need other people you, because you can lean on. But I'll people. tell you this when it comes to like fucking prepared food like there's nobody who knows what i know about this i've been doing it for so long i've been i used to i used to cook all the food for myself i used to cook for my friends like there's you know when you talk when aaron franklin right when that guy talks about his fucking brisket he fucking made brisket for his friends and he was like dude when i hear his story i fucking hear my story because i'm like dude i was doing the same shit but it was fucking grilled chicken Broccoli, brown rice, sweet potatoes, steaks. Like I was just on a propane fucking grill and you know, he's on a smoker. So there's just something about that, that like, you I think it's this, the organicness of it. Like, yes, like, dude, just gra like, gra like the roots, man. And just, you were doing it because you were, because of, for the right reasons. Cause you knew you were helping people. Yes. Right. And you, people, you found a pain point. People were trying to eat healthier. They're trying to look as good as you look. Well, so, so let me explain what happened. So when I started, I guess like my first and only real job was at New York sports club and I just hated the way they treated me like they, How did they treat you like a fucking piece of meat, dude. Mm -hmm. Like it was, um, but I was 19. I, I was never cut out for the corporate world. Like corporate America was just never meant for me. Um, I, I became a personal trainer because I wanted to help people. That's, that's all. That's all I wanted to do is help people. And I just didn't feel right that I had to charge the client a hundred bucks an hour. And like I made 22, I felt like, damn, you know, this is like a, a disproportionate rip. The 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 client is getting murdered. I shouldn't be charging anybody a hundred dollars an hour to train them. I mean, I don't, I didn't think at the, I mean, look, I don't want to take away from personal trainers who are legitimately qualified to charge that amount. Yeah. There are people that deserve that money, but I was 19 years old. 
I had taken their corporate training class. I didn't feel like I deserved that. I didn't feel like the transaction was like holy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like morally wrong. And when I started cooking these meals and I knew like <clears throat> I'm going to the store, I'm, I'm buying this meat, I'm buying all this stuff. This is stuff I would feed my mother and my grandmother and I'm making an honest living. And it was like the honest living that like, I was like, wow, like, man, I could do this. I could feel good about it. I can go to bed at night knowing that yeah. I'm legitimately going to bat for people every single day and I'm taking a couple fucking percent. Like I'm not making much. Like, I don't think anybody when, when people know how much money I make, like it's a lot, I do make a, I do make a very good living right now, but my company is fucking enormous, but how long it's a sliver. Oh my there? God. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, how much do you sacrifice? Oh fuck man. It's like, a people lot. can be like, Oh, this, you know, like bro, clean thing, like just came out of nowhere and overnight success. But <laughs> what about the, you were 19 years old when you first made an attempt at get, getting after this, right? You're 33 year old, 34, 34 yeah. now, yeah. 15 years. And, and before that, I mean, you, you said it was yeah. 2013, right? And to get to get more like the 15 year thing is not meant to discourage anybody. Like I, <clears throat> one of the things that I learned from my dad, um, my my dad's like a super direct guy. My dad calls it how he sees it, and like over the years, I could see how that could get people in trouble being that way. Um. <clears throat> There are like people I know, people I'm friends with, people in my in my family where, you know, you start having these conversations as like a man having a conversation with another man, like a young man, say like a, a 20 year old or a 22 year old, you know, I'm 34. I have a couple years on the guy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> they get like overwhelmingly discouraged, like fuck 15 years. Well, listen, man. Fit, unless you fucking die, yeah. 15 years is going to pass regardless. Real fast. Like uh, unless you die. So if you don't die, 15 years is coming whether you want it to or not. And you got to just embrace it. And that yeah. and that is the part like that <clears throat> had I had I just been able to embrace it a little bit uh I was trying to fucking hit the I was trying to hit the I was trying to hit home runs before I could run, you know? Right. I was trying to hit home runs before I could crawl. And I think that's why I failed a lot. And it wasn't until I really realized, like, man, this is gonna fucking suck. When did it, when did you start to realize that? In two thousand, like January, I started to realize that like the fucking party was over. I'll never forget, man. So there's a community college here in Jersey called Brookdale, and uh, what's the year? <clears throat> I think it was two thousand. Uh, I was, tw I had just turned. I was like twenty five and a half. I think okay. it was uh. So Can't 10 remember. years ago or nine Give, years ago. Yeah. And or, I never forget like 2009. We'll it, 2009. It was kind of like when I, around 25 was like, holy fuck, dude, I'm not a kid anymore. Yeah. Like this isn't a game. Mm. Ironically, like I went after it one more time and I failed. And then that was the point where I said, I'm not a kid anymore. And I gave up because I was like, dude, I don't have the tools I need. And, uh, I went looking for a real job. I got rejected by a bunch of places or the tools you think you needed. So here's like, here's the thing, man. And, and what's, it's funny you say that, but like in reality, there's a couple tools you need. So like the fundamental tool, obviously. So there are tools, right? There's tools, there's principles. There's old, you need to believe you could do it. Mm. You're saying you didn't believe at this point? 
I had my doubts, man. I'd failed so many fucking times, yeah. you know, like, uh, well, give was, me an example. You said you were taking big swings. You were swinging for the, the fences, right? Like what, what, give me like a stupid, like a like. stupid fucking thing I did when I was a kid was somebody like one of my, I had a rich friend when I was a club promoter, he used to go out and buy bottles all the time. He saw me like cooking these meals and he was like, man, I want to invest. I want to invest. So I was like, holy shit. Like this rich dude just approached me. He wants to invest. He must be real. He must be serious. So I'm like, all right, man, I went, I, I dropped out of college. I was at Montclair state university. I dropped out. I went looking for, uh, I went like started looking to sign this lease for a kitchen, like almost got myself in a deep shit. And, uh, then like the dude just like ghosted me. And then I finally got him so on the phone. Meaning, meaning almost gone to deep shit. Meaning you almost signed like you almost committed. Yeah. To I'm almost like committed to yeah. like owning my own. Like when I, dude, I had no business doing that, man. Yeah. Like I like I this is what I should have fucking did. This is before the the time. The this attempt. was like 2000. So, this, fuck, so you seven, said when you were 25, you took one final go at it and, it and you failed again. We're not talking about that right now. We're talking about no, before, that. before that. I do want to get into that. It's hard to dude. You know what, man? It's like hard for me to remember all this shit because it's a blur. I'm sure it, it is a blur. And it was so painful for me, dude. Like I didn't want to rem- I'll never forget, dude, the best day of my life, aside from like, obviously my kids being born and my wedding was, it was when, uh, I realized like, wow, you know, all my failures and everything I went through got me to this point. And at that point, when I made peace with all my failures, I wasn't humiliated by it anymore. And then I didn't feel like I was actually a failure anymore. Like I spent so much of my life depressed, feeling like I was a fucking failure that like. I'm like, cool now. I'm like, dude, you know what? Like that was what I had to go through to get here. That's what prepared me to be here. And that's why I am who I am because of all those experiences I had leading up to this point. Like there's, um, just, it was a big, big learning experience. Would you agree that with every failure you, you get a little bit better? Yes. So can you give me an example of some of the, some of the ways you were getting better, some of the lessons you were <clears> learning and the, the new, the, and how you were applying these new lessons from your failure each and every new time. I think like each, each step of the way I just became more and more self-aware of like what my weaknesses were. What were your biggest weaknesses that you identified early on? Or organization. Yep. Um, I'm right there with you for the record. Organization is not my strong suit. I'm, I'm great at uh, like 30,000 yeah. feet, but in the details, I'm not that great. So I, I, but I think it's important. I think we're afraid to say what our weaknesses are, but I think it's I'm Im- not, but, but, but it's important <laughs> to, to know what your weaknesses are because yeah. in how else are you going to compensate? How else are you going to sure. correct? Sure. So organization and like, how did you start living differently to compensate for your weakness? I started, um, back before I met Kayla, I was just like, there's like this viral video going around with this Navy SEAL captain talking about make your bed in the yeah. morning. That shit's real, dude. Mm-hmm. Like you should make your fucking bed. Why? Just because. Like you should just get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yep. If you're some fucking slob who never makes your bed, make your fucking bed. If you're some slob who doesn't fucking shave, yo, shave your fucking face. Like start being presentable. Start training your fucking personality to change and adapt. But depending on where you are, see, like I'm in a much different point in life where I have a million fucking employees. I have an assistant. I have like a million fucking people around me helping me just do whatever the fuck I want now. So now I could do whatever I want. But before I didn't have those people, I had to clean up my behavior. You had to make your bed. I had to make my bed. I had to like clean up my behavior. I had to clean up my personality weaknesses. And I 
you know, I've read a lot of books, man. Fuck. Well, let's unpackage some of this shit because I, I mean, I think I, I watched that video. I think the lesson is from that video <laughs> is that, you know, something as small as making your bed every day. If you start your day with becoming like organized and clean and like you, you, you have that high standard from the first thing you do every morning. Yeah. That habit is going to spill over to other things in your life. And I think that's kind of like one of the morals of the story. It's been a while since I, I've looked into that, but I think that's what I took from yeah. the story. Um, so what were some of the, 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 the new habits that formed in your life with each and every, or, or uh, with, or, give, or just give me one fa- like habit that you really think started changing the way you showed up every day. Just, uh, yeah, I mean, I would always make sure that my car was clean. Just, uh, and how did that like start to spill over into your business? So like as a kid, you're always told, don't, don't care what people think of you. Right. And that's like really important. It's really important that you don't care. But then when you start having employees and shit, like you really got to start to fucking care. (laughs) Cause like you got to send a fucking message to these people, you know? And I think I've done a really good job because I am genuine and I am here for the right reasons, but like you got to set a good, good leadership example people want to go to work for somebody they believe in, mm-hmm. you know, like you're some fucking sloppy slob of a mess, disorganized. Like you don't keep your word. You know, you got to remember when you're dealing with people, man, you got to keep your fucking promises with people. So I love it, man. Just like today when I almost got out of this yeah. one, but so, but then I, I was like, you know what? I said we would do it. Let's do it. So you, you drove up from Atlanta yesterday, right? I, I flew. flew. Um, well, <laughs> we, uh, we had to bring my my ten month old daughter. It was it was really cute. But uh, yeah, we flew in in the morning. We did whatever paperwork I had to do to get my townhouse, and then we flew back. It was um, but I co sleep. I mean, you don't you don't have kids, but like my son sleeps in our bed, and it's hard, dude, yeah. because he kicks me all night. He gets up early as fuck. <laughs> so- so basically, Jamie uh, emailed me while I was driving from New Hampshire yeah. to New Jersey asking if we could reschedule for next week. And I'm like, uh, I was like, I mean, I could make the trip back down here no, again, but I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that too. So when he realized I was driving down here from New Hampshire, he was like, Oh, absolutely! Like, let's yeah. make it happen. So it's integrity, man. It's like you know, you you were you were you said you were exhausted on um, that you wanted to be your best for the interview, right? And I respected that, but at the same time, like you knew that I was down here from New Hampshire, yep. so, so you made it work. And I think that integrity just goes so far. Um, and what I'm picking up from you from your early your days uh, just listening to your story it sounds like you're you're like me in the sense that you're a dreamer like you can vision you you know what's possible and you can see that shit yeah. as clear as day but you're not necessarily like like simon Sinek would say you're good in um you're you're a why guy not a how guy you yeah know? yeah and, and uh, gary vanerchuk would say you're you're, you're good in the in the, the clouds you're horrible in the dirt meaning like you can see it you, but you, you're not the best at necessarily building it right yeah details i um I always say like I'm terrible at explaining things, but I think part of the reason probably why I failed all those times when I was younger was because I, I like when people ask me, they're like, Oh man, did you ever think it would be this big? I'm like, yes. Like I fucking (laughs) did. (laughs) Like when I was like fucking 19 years old and I was being crazy, like that's what I thought. But obviously at 19, there was no way I was capable of handling a, the stress of a fucking multi multi million dollar um business like you you have to be mentally 
prepared for this type of responsibility. So how, when you're talking to people about your vision, about what eat clean broke do, what was your energy? Like, how would you explain this to people? I was always really good at like getting customers and selling the food. People liked me. They always would try it. Um, but like in the beginning it was all about like bodybuilding and being shredded. And I, it wasn't until like I evolved as a person and learned like, Hey, like, you know, we could still make food. We could still make healthy, great food. It doesn't have to be like competition bodybuilder food, you know, cause bodybuilders eat a certain way. And then up, they're once, thinking about the, the amount of ounces, not necessarily the ingredient. Um, like they're, well, the thing is with, with bodybuilding, man, it's a very calculated lifestyle up like and then once a few weeks out from your bodybuilding show dude you're cutting like you're cutting out everything it's not necessarily healthy yeah i mean it's going to get you shredded but i don't think any bodybuilder will say like that that's a healthy Do way you to feel live. good Do you know no, you feel like shit yeah, exactly. you're, you're fucking look great but is it worth it <laughs> i mean it i'm glad to say i did it a couple times but uh but um but yeah man so i evolved as a person and just evolved the menu, got everything. People f- fucking liked it, man. So I think I think now's a good time to take our first break. The finger sponsors, and when we come back, I want to talk about what happened when you were twenty five years old. You said you you had one final push before coming across uh, or pass, passing crossing paths with your current business partner and wife, and I think that's kind of sounds like where things started to maybe take off a little bit faster. But we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. One of the biggest lessons I've learned hosting Restaurant Unstoppable is that. It's impossible to be everything to everybody. You're better off being really good at what you already do well and partnering with those who compliment you. And I'll tell you right now, I am not the best resource out there for all things, PDFs, templates, checklists, you name it. But I do know who the best is, and that is restaurantowner.com because they're constantly being recommended organically on the show. So instead of trying to compete with restaurantowner.com, I've decided to partner with restaurantowner.com. Right now, when you join Restaurant Unstoppable Network, you get six months access, free access to restaurantowner.com. And that includes their entire content library of PDFs, spreadsheets, checklists, templates, webinars, articles, the list goes on, and you also get access to Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine, the digital copy. In addition, you get access to their e-training platform, which allows you, plus three of your managers and 30 of your employees to get access to it. Uh, it's it's incredible what they're doing. It's incredible that they're offering us this deal, and you're a knucklehead if you don't take advantage of it. So right now, Go to the show notes of this episode and join the network. You'll find a link to join for 30 days free on us, and you'll get that six months free to restaurantowner.com. All right, we are back. And um, you said when you were 25 years old, it was the 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 attempt you made before this this recent attempt that has gotten to where you are now. Um, take us through that last attempt, and, and you said you failed one more time. Like, take us through that failure and what happened. Um, so so like for me to be honest here and. You're going to get some untold story here. That's what's going to get him. So, um, I, uh, at 25 years old, I realized like I wasn't a kid anymore. I, I needed to get my act together. Right. So I used to have an Adderall addiction. I can understand that, man. All right. And I would take Adderall every fucking day. 
And like Adderall gets you a little high, man. You feel yeah. fucking great. You feel unstoppable. Yeah, you do. And I can relate because I was on Adderall all through high school uh-huh. and college. And I was a commercial pilot. And uh-huh. I was taking Adderall illegally because I felt like I couldn't do it right. without it. Yeah. You know, you, you you get to the point where you feel like you're it's a part of who you are and that you're useless without it. Yeah. Uh, so I totally know what you're saying. So one day I'm like high as a kite on Adderall, feeling like the man. And I'm like, whoa, like, dude, you're not the man. You're a fucking loser. And you need to get your shit together. You're not a fucking kid anymore. And I'll never forget that, dude. I was like, holy fuck. Like, the only reason I feel good about myself right now is because of this fucking pill I'm taking. How did the pill make you feel? You said unstoppable. Yeah, dude. You're fucking high. Yeah. Like, it's It's an an amphetamine, bro. Like, (laughs) you're on meth. You're fucking high as fuck. (laughs) You're feeling great. And we're dude. handing this shit out to the little kids all over the fucking country. <laughs> oh my god, bro! Yeah, dude, don't like. Yeah, the doctor. Don't even get me started on that. But uh, we don't have to go down that path. But so I fucking quit cold turkey, dude. Okay. Throughout all my shit, flush it down the toilet. Were you prescribed this stuff? Or no, you okay. off the street, baby. Yeah. And uh, it's not hard to come by. Everybody has it. Everyone's <laughs> the, the, the the drug dealers are out there. The doctors and the the pharmacists, right. you know, like are making it super attainable. Absolutely. Yeah, it was easy. Yeah, I knew I had tons of people I could get it from. So, I I stopped cold turkey and dude, that was like, holy fuck, man, that was so hard to just cut it out. I don't know how you stopped or if you did stop. I was I was a commercial pilot uh-huh. and I was getting to the point where if I for whatever reason got, got caught got in an accident or oh, whatever and i had a piss test they would see it in my blood and my career would be over mm-hmm. so for me it was more of a fear of what happens if i get caught with this the fear of what would happen if i didn't have it started to be less significant than the fear sure. that i had if i did have it so basically after four years of college and as while i'm, I'm investing in my career to be a commercial like I'm, I'm getting jobs as a commercial pilot like now i have you know the assets building my, my experience is building mm-hmm. i'm becoming more valuable and i could lose all of that yeah if i got caught so that's why i had to stop but even when i resigned from aviation i would get i got my hands back on adderall to uh-huh. get this podcast started yeah um but then you realize like fuck man this isn't good right Honestly, yeah. Like, like it, I, I started to realize that I was a different person when I was in Adderall. Yeah. I was very edgy. Anything would piss me off. Like, cause, <laughs> and you then know, you couldn't you, let it go, right? You'd be so yeah. focused on what pissed you off, and you're just like... Argh. Yeah, and it's it, like you just get so fixated. My, my, one of my challenges is focus, right? Yeah. But like, that thing would make you so focused, and that you'd be so about that thing that if, if you... If, if it didn't go according to plan, if things weren't worried, if, if you made a little mistake and, and anything could set you off, I was always on edge, yeah. you know, and I, I liked being like the happy go lucky, right. Jovial person. And that made me opposite. So that's what I didn't like about it. Uh, and if I'm being completely honest, when I tried to go back to get it, because I want to made uh, you sick, right? You got no, you know, <laughs> you didn't get sick no, straight up, man, straight, complete honesty. Um, so at one point I, when I, like later in my adulthood, like I wanted to get back on Adderall cause I felt like I needed it again. And at the time, um, I started smoking a lot more weed mm-hmm. because I was basically allowed to, cause I wasn't a commercial pilot yeah. anymore if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Um, and it was because that was in my system that they wouldn't prescribe Adderall to me because of the two, the multiple like, upper downer. So like that was the reason why they tested like, you for weed before they gave yeah. you Adderall. Well, it was, I think, the, a drug test um, that they just like they just do randomly starting. And maybe it's just New Hampshire. I don't uh-huh. know. Wow. But I was like, whatever. I was like. Wow. Finally, a doctor who's looking out for his fucking patients. Right. 
I, don't, I mean, I wasn't like super bitter about it, but I think it was just kind of like one of those things where I was like, I'd rather be able to get high. Yeah, I smoke. <laughs> like I, I do. Like I do smoke. <laughs> I do smoke here and there. Probably, dude. I, I have a fucking. I bought an ounce of weed like three years ago. It's still like, I still probably have half of it left. But uh, I used to get so like like um, worried about the fact that I enjoy smoking weed. Um, as like a, for me, it's a decompressor. It's yeah. a thing I do at the end of the day sure. to, yeah. to be able to shut That's my fucking mind off. That's how you should do it. Off. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have to shut my, I have to, yeah. because if I don't, I'll just keep on going and it's kind of a, a way for me to find balance and to relax. Um, and to like kind of, I don't know, cause I'm one of those people that's always going, you know what yeah, I mean? Of course. So anyway, I just kind of help think it helps me kind of shut <laughs> off, you know? Yeah. Uh, I do not. I, I'm definitely, uh, in my opinion, man, I'd rather puff on a J a couple times and drink. Just I'm the right recoveries. I love how your 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 coworkers are walking through, like, oh, where is this conversation? Go? I tell them, I say, <laughs> I don't fucking drug test, dude. So I don't give a fuck what but you do. Just don't do it is, driving. Man, like, and I used to be like, uh, where I was going with this. This interview is about you, but I'm trying to relate. You know, yeah. Um, but it was, I think it was the fact that um, I I started seeing a lot of successful entrepreneurs that I knew yeah. smoked because while I was on the road interviewing them they would ask if I would want to get high with them, yeah. you know? So I'm like, wait a second. And I think growing up in the Northeast yeah. with parents that were like, if I ever found out if you smoked weed, like my heart would be broken. Like it would oh, be just the saddest thing. So like, it was always like this cloud hanging over me that I yeah. didn't want to disappoint people. But then I was like, wait a second, super successful people smoke weed. Is it any different than having a <laughs> glass of wine, you know, or like yeah. celebrating in any other way? So, I mean, and plus spending some time on the West coast kind of helped too, but this isn't a conversation about it, that. I guess. It's, uh, <laughs> look, I, I, I was really crazy, man. So like talking about Adderall, it was really fucking hard for me to quit cold Turkey. It was like 30 days of just like, I felt like I was fucking buried alive trying to get out of that straight jacket. But eventually I got over that hump and then my thoughts, just like you said, how you're just hyper like fixated on things. Like yeah. once that stopped, I felt like, did that have any effect? Sorry, I don't want to. Inter- I, I am yeah. interrupting, but I mean, I would imagine this would help you get shredded and ripped if your con- if your focus is being healthy. Whatever is on your mind, that you're gonna accomplish with on Adderall. Like, um, yeah, well, Adderall, man, it was fucking great. <laughs> it made your metabolism nice. Yeah, you, like, but, you, your appetite was gone. Um, um, but not to take you off your train. I thought you were doing good. I apologize. But for me, like just spiritually and mentally, getting off that fucking drug was critical yeah it was almost like i needed to reset and like i always say like rock bottom was the uh was the solid foundation i've rebuilt my life on and and like quitting adderall i mean it it was like my i had a huge personality change a lot of things shifted i mean i got like fucking super depressed like my fucking brain was completely destroyed from like you, I mean, was it that terrible for you? How I mean, many milligrams me, were you taking? Not much. But I was it was taking just like 50 like milligrams. 50 a day? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, w- I wasn't even... I, I only did a little bit, but uh, I don't know, man. It was, it was... I think it was 50 milligrams. Now you're making me wonder if that's way too high of a number. No, it's not that. I've heard people take more. I, I know one of my friends takes 80 a day. Jeez. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Are you crazy? It could um, have been 30. For some reason, 50 is just the number that pops into my head, but I, I don't know. That's going back some time now. Maybe but, it was 40, maybe do two twenties a day. <laughs> maybe, who, knows? who knows? But uh, for me, man, it was like, I had to get myself set up. I I just, I had to just kind of, 
for me to get where I am today, I had to give up like everything. I had to give up negative people in my life. I had to give up the fucking, like, obviously the Adderall kind of just like isolated, isolated myself and, uh, tried to just put myself in like a positive environment and a positive state of mind, which isn't easy to do when you feel like you're a fucking failure. So how did you do it? Cause it sounds like you achieved that. You were able to kick the Adderall. You were able to kind of readjust. It was a slow, horrible <laughs> fucking. So like, I think I stopped taking Adderall at like 25. It was like a slow process. Once I got over that hump, then it was like, all right, need to fix my fucking credit. I need to get a job. Like, I have to stop bartending. So you're 34 now. 34 now, yeah. And you're 25, so it's going back nine years ago. It was a lot of work, dude. 2011, yeah. that, around that time. Being honest with myself, cleaning up the mess, yeah. realizing, like, this cannot continue. Yeah, and I feel know? like I feel like I know where this making your bed analogy is coming. Like, you have to start with the foundation. You have to start <laughs> yes. with something. And then once you can start turning your life around, once you can start building up your credit, once you can start all these little things, they compound, but it, you have to start somewhere. And, and it's all in like your daily decisions, you know, like I'm a big, I'm a big believer, man. And like, just, it is crazy. Like I'm not against drugs at all, right? People do them. People go to college and do them. Like drugs are very fucking bad. Like, I, I need people to realize that like drugs are fucking bad. If you're trying to be successful in life, stay the fuck away from drugs. Like yeah. even if it's Adderall, even if it's Xanax, even if it's fucking Klonopin, like whatever the fuck the doctors are giving you, like you need your brain, like not, not to get all like fucking religious, but like, dude, you need your brain the way God made it. Like get yourself fucking healthy, drink fucking water, sleep. Like we we're talking about how I quit drinking coffee. Cause like my sleep, like, your your brain is like a receptor to like you're putting it out there, yeah. you know. And if your brain is fucked up under an influence, like you're you're limiting the whatever the capacity your brain has to fucking function. So like you want your brain, your brain is your fucking biggest asset you have, mm -hmm. and like your mood and and just all that shit. It's so important in business, man. And so you started to get your brain right, your body right, right your health right, and that yeah. started that started. Uh, overflowing into the rest of your life. Um, and I know in, in 2013, it sounds like you, you, your business is actually start, finally starting to get to a place, you know, now you're clean. So two years after you committed, you commit to, you know, trying to turn yeah, your life like, around. I could have like, look, I wasn't like, I didn't rob anybody. I never stole a TV to get out of all. Like I don't, I wouldn't say that like it, for me, it was a problem, you know, nobody, I don't think anybody fucking knew I was taking it. Mm. It wasn't like, um, you know, some people get addicted to drugs and like rob their mother and fucking do crazy shit. Um, it was just a problem for me. Cause I knew it was, I just, I knew I needed to be fucking, I needed, I don't know, man, it's fucking weird. Like I had to go into this shit like a hundred percent. Yeah. And if I wasn't a hundred percent, I knew it wasn't going to work. Mm hmm. And it was, dude, at the time, I, I pretty much, like, I'm almost certain that, like, I, I pretty much gave up on, uh, I think, like, around that time, I gave up on the idea of cooking because I failed so many times. But uh, but you didn't. It was just something I loved doing, dude. I couldn't help it, you know? Yeah. It was, like, something I just love fucking doing. So. so now it's 2011, 2012, about a year to two years before... Um, 13, yeah, January 13, which man. it seems to be when I do my research, 2013 seems to be the year that, that was the year. Yeah. Yeah. So 
what did you start doing differently? Paint that picture of your new lifestyle that led up to being able to become successful. <laughs> well, I was, <laughs> I was fucking broke, so I wasn't doing much other than eating, <laughs> eating healthy yeah. and going to the gym and bartending. That's, that's what I did. But, uh, I think I read a story that you were, you went on a date with your now wife, Kayla. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, at that time, well, p- tell us that story, that date. That was, um, that was like late February, 2014. I yeah. was, I was like t- two or three hours late because you were busy, right? Yeah. I was, I was working and, uh, counting receipts. I think it was the, the story <laughs> I read. I don't, it, it was, <laughs> I, you know, man, um, I was a one man show. I was doing a lot of work. Oh, I think I think you were cooking the first time you were late. It was and, probably cooking. Yeah. And the second t- time you guys hung out, she helped you at work. Was that what it was? She must have really <laughs> liked you, man. She well, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was really cool. So our first date was funny, man. I was two and a half or three hours late. I show up. I I gave her dad a meal. <laughs> Brownie points. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, man, this is what I do. Yeah, and. The whole date, I was kind of panicking because I had to take her to the second option. You know, the first option was across town. And because I was so late, I would have never made it there. So we got to the place. We got sushi. I ordered the wrong thing. It was all these, like, simple rolls. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this shit is so lame. I'm never going to see her again. Fuck. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's a sushi boat, but these aren't specialty rolls. These are just regular rolls. And... The date was going really good and she didn't give a shit about the sushi like I did. She's so <laughs> then I was like, hey, like, let's go to the movies. She's like, you know, you don't even know what the movie time is. And I was like, I oh, don't worry about it. We'll just go and we'll see a movie. So we went we went over there and uh, <laughs> what's really funny, man, is uh, it was it was like nine fifty and like the Lego movie started at nine fifty five. And at the time, at, the, at that time, dude, I had this kid who was selling bootleg DVDs delivering for me. <laughs> and then, like, he started to build this, like, bootleg DVD business around, around like, me. <laughs> so, like, all my customers were like, yo, man, like, yo, does Mark have the Lego movie? <laughs> and, like, everybody kept asking about the fucking Lego movie. And that was – and then he would come in and be like, oh, I can't get the fucking Lego movie. And, like, <laughs> so, like, leading up to that and going to the movies, I was like, fuck yeah, Lego movie. And uh, she was like, dude, this kid is like a lunatic. Like, the Lego movie was actually good. And uh, and, that, and that was it, man. So I drove her home and and uh, I think we, like, hung out. And, like, we were inseparable ever since. And that that was always, like, such a funny story to me, man, because – had it not been for my, for that guy selling those bootleg DVDs, um, <laughs> dude, I would have never known what movie to go to. And uh, just a disclaimer, the last bootleg DVD I watched was like The Equalizer okay. with fucking Denzel. Yeah. And uh, dude, the smart TVs now, they recognize the audio. They oh, shut no. your fucking shit off. <laughs> so like you can't even watch, like you can't even bootleg shit anymore. That's- <laughs> and uh so, but, but also as like time went on and I started actually making a living, I, I just buy the five, yeah, my, my Apple TV is loaded. I'm, I'm, ble- I'm too blessed to be fucking with bootleg shit now, but you got Hulu, I bet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got all of them. Yeah. Bootleg, uh, fucking Hulu, Who's Apple bootleg TV with Amazon, right? Yeah. Uh, so tell me that's not fucking funny though, bro. Dude, that's awesome. I it's love Jersey it. as lo- fuck, man. I that love kid it. Was fucking <laughs> flipping bootleg DVDs. I'm like, but oh my so God. 
and I, I mean, I, I like to, I've, I've been researching a lot of restaurant owners. It's safe to say up to this point. And I feel like there's a, and I, I personally do believe in partnerships. I believe that you can't make it today without a partner. Uh, if you really want to be the top of your game, well, there's differences. There's and, difference between like partners and alliances. And it, there's tons of people around me that I can't make it without. But if I had a bunch of partners here and that didn't see my vision, you know, when you have to drop fucking 500, like when you have to spend $500,000 on a website, you know, I know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I go and I fucking do it. Yeah. But if I had to explain that to like two or three people who wanted a Range Rover, they might say, oh man, like we but want here's the, the distribution. Thing. Your relationship with the person that's building you the website is a partnership, right? Because you know that you can't be the person to build out your own website, but you can hire somebody and that's a relationship. That's a partnership. It's a, it's a, you're coming together to partner on a website for your business. They're, yeah. They're partnering on a project. If that, so like, here's the thing with like a real partnership is like the reason why they're dangerous it's just because of like, like the, the legal stuff. Like yeah. You have freedom to choose who you want to build your website or do those things. And everything is, uh, so like, I think, I think you're confusing self-made. Like are people self-made is like the question. The answer is like, to like, what extent do you want to drill into that? Because like, yeah, could I have done all of this by myself? Like, no, there was a lot of fucking people who helped me. Yeah. There was tons of people who helped me. And you take care of those people. Of course. But if like, if all of these people had equity in my company and they could start like putting fucking, you know, who knows, putting me in litigation, tying up my ability to get money from the bank or just making a mess out of my business internally, then like, no man, partners are fucking bad because she could go south and then, you know, there's a lot of people. There's a saying that says, like, some people sink the whole ship because they can't be captain. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, and I'm not saying that, that um, I mean, obviously, your, your wife now is a CEO, right, of Eat Clean Bro. So yes. I feel like it's safe to say when that she compliments you some way, somehow. And if I had to make it, if I had to take a guess, I would say she's a detail-oriented person. Yes. And I feel like if you're if you know that you're not a detail oriented person, if you know that you are a visionary and you can see the big picture and your things recruiting people and, and sharing the dream and motivate motivating people, you better damn well make sure you have somebody on your team who's good in the dirt. Yep. Right. And it seems like Kayla's really good in the dirt. And when you guys came together, it allowed you to focus on what you were truly good at. Yeah. The food, the the yeah. vision. Fuck yeah, man. Um, food, the relationships. And I'm making, yeah, and I'm making, I'm making assumptions here, uh-huh. but I'm, I'm feeling like that, like taking on the partner. She's not your wife, so the financial, like, you know, what's yours is hers, and what's hers is yours, which I feel like is kind of, um, is the solution to the partnership for you because now you guys are one, right? Yeah. So you don't see it as a partnership; you just see it as a, a togetherness. I don't want what else to call it. Yeah, I mean, I guess like. Man, I don't Putting even, you through I the ringer right now. <laughs> no, no, dude, Kayla, Kayla. So the thing is, like, Kayla, um, Kayla wanted to be a police officer, and not look. Being a police officer is a fucking serious job. Oh yeah, I couldn't do but it. Like, bro, I didn't. I didn't want. Like, I said, look, if I'm gonna have a fucking kid, if we're gonna have kids, like, I don't want the mother of my children out patrolling the fucking streets. Like, that that has got to be the last fucking <laughs> option. Like, if that is even an option, yeah. I said, come work with me, you know? Well, you know, we were inseparable. We love being together. So it was always cool. And she just always like did what, uh, she always helped me get shit done. She always listened and she just always helped me like execute my, my vision. And when I look at us as like partners, like 
she is, you know, like, yeah, man, she's my wife. So, but she's always followed my lead and she's always done what's needed to be done to be successful. Like she's always like carried out those orders. If I had somebody in my way stopping me from making decisions, man, it would be a fucking nightmare here. I mean, that's, I think that's the beauty of the relationship. That's the beauty of being a leader and a visionary is that you see, you know, you start with the end in mind, you know where you're going and you're taking people with you. People who are good in the dirt, people who are good at building websites, people, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you, 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 you create those partnerships. Um, so what, what were the, like in, for anybody, obviously this isn't a restaurant we're talking about. It's a food business. It's a yeah. delivery business. I try to be like a restaurant though. I try to keep, try to keep that restaurant quality. Yeah. So reflecting back over the, I would say the past seven years when you guys really started to like, you know, grow exponentially, what were some of the biggest lessons you've learned from like a business owner? If, if somebody else is looking to start like a food delivery company out there, what advice do you have for them? Dude, the advice I I always tell people this, man, just start cooking for your fucking friends. Yeah, it's true, man. Make friends. Like I tell people all the time, like, did you make any friends? Like, are you making friends? Like, make friends. Like I that's all I say. Like it it all depends on like what your level's at. Like where I came from and where I'm at today, it's a fucking miracle. But to a dude like Elon Musk, I'm still just a fucking turd, you know? <laughs> like, to Elon, I'm a turd. I'm probably yeah. a fucking loser. Compa- like, I'm a loser compared to that guy. Um, but, you know, where I came from to where I'm at now, like, I'm a success story. I think I think it all depends. Um, one of the things that I really can't stand is so many people got into prepared meals because they thought it was going to be, like, a financial opportunity. Was this before COVID or after COVID you're talking about? Um you know what, man, I think COVID actually has stopped a lot of businesses from starting just because like, it's really hard to get in front of people. Yeah. So like what's dangerous right now. So like, I'm going to go off topic a little bit and you could bring me back when I get too far off topic. But one of the things that I'm noticing is it is, um, and I don't want to scare people, but I believe we are approaching the beginning of the end of like small businesses in America. I'm afraid of that too, man. And that's part of, but finish your thought. So essentially, Back in the day, right, you could – the big box stores, like the bigger businesses, they were big boats. They couldn't steer. They couldn't move. They weren't agile. But now we're seeing companies like Amazon, Walmart, Target, the biggest fucking companies they are, are fucking more agile than like mom and pop shops. And that's coming down to like automated technology that mom and pop shops can't afford. Yeah. And – because there was a time where like it was the human element where people would always go and contribute and make personal touches and just beat the big guy. It it used to be easy to beat the big guy. Now it's like, fuck dude, there's all these fucking metrics. And now I'm like, you know, cause I'm competing against some bigger companies myself. I've always had a fucking, I've always had a small business mentality. That's always been attractive to me. I always wanted to give back to the community, treat my customers well, you know, be true to my customers, be true to my employees. And it's just like, dude, what I'm up against today and and I'm fucking great at what I do. I'm fucking really great. Like I'm the fucking best at what I do. What is it exactly that you do? I fucking bro. These prepared meals, man, they're fucking great. But I know they are, (laughs) but like, (laughs) but like what, like, what is it that, I mean, you, you make so, a great right, so I'll tell you what, meal, but, tell you, what but you do so great. much more than that. I guess right. is what I'm getting. So like, here's the thing, man. I put a lot of, so it's a 
multidimensional question. As far as my customer service goes, my favorite part about my customer service is when you call the fucking phone number, a human picks up the phone within mm. one or two rings. Yeah. So like if you need anything, there's no directory. They'll press four if fucking no. Hey, well, thank you for calling Eclean Bro. This is Jamie. How can I help you? Which, like, dude, I don't know. Can you call any of these fucking companies and get a person first ring? No, and it's getting to that point now where I hear, like, automation's the way. And it's all right. about the bottom line. And it's all about streamline. And it's all about, you know. So with the customer service, there's a huge variety of communication methods that I feel like one of the most important things in business and in life is communication. You need to be able to communicate with people. Yeah. It's very, it's it's crazy how important it is. Mm-hmm. But it's like. One of the, so you asked me about like advice, communication and training. Anytime I've ever felt like I was completely out of control in my life, it all came down to just communicating or training. Okay. Like either these people are not trained to do what I need them to do or like there's a miscommunication along the line and like shit is wrong. So like those were the two big pieces and and like those are the ways like I've, I've always identi- I've been able to identify problems. Being able to identify problems is also a huge, uh, a huge component of just business in general. Like being able to identify a problem, identify the solution, implement the solution and get the fucking problem fixed, lay out processes. So it never fucking happens again. These are things that are like super important. Um, but back to why I think like small business in America is ultimately the beginning of the end is because bigger businesses have the money to put investment into technology, which is automating the customer experience. Customers are getting fucking, (laughs) condition to just like like amazon right the customer experience of amazon is just fucking superior but now like other companies are catching up amazon is probably the motherfucking pinnacle of like customer experience i think eclean bro is um is a pinnacle customer service experience but in a different way where like you actually know these people and these people talk to you and people look out for you the driver looks out for you um i always wanted to have like that old-fashioned feel with like the milkman I mean, we weren't around for that, but like there used to be a milkman who would drop off milk and yeah. neighborhood routes and shit. So like my delivery drivers are, as like we grew, I would always try to implement things that I did that they do for the customers to make them feel special. You know, text them, let them know you're on your way, send the picture. We were doing that fucking text picture like way before Amazon. Like I'm always trying to beat Amazon. Yeah. You know, a lot of people start meal prep companies and they're trying to beat Jamie. Like, yo, get your eyes off me, man. I'm not shit. Try to beat Jeff Bezos. He's number one. (laughs) He's the guy to beat. Yeah. Even though like I'm not shit compared to Jeff Bezos. Like that's the guy. That's the guy I'm trying to learn from or or trying to be like. But uh, now companies are just everything is just so crystal clear with all the metrics and shit that they can analyze. And I'm I'm just afraid that big businesses are becoming more effective than small businesses. And there's all different types of things too. Like the road to hell was paved with good intentions and not to get political. But like when you look at student loan debt, the student loan crisis, when you look at like medical care. I'm $200,000, over $200,000 in debt still so to this point, which they, is why, why right. I started the podcast. Yes. Like it's a real issue. I agree with that statement, but keep going. Keep going. So essentially, man, you, you got these like politicians, like you have like one, like they're, they're either looking at the fucking super rich or the super poor. And like, we need to come to the realization that like, yo, the super poor are going to be super poor and the super rich are going to be super rich. The people we really need to help are the fucking people in the middle. 
and you have these kids coming out of fucking college buried up to their neck in student loan debt. They get a job and they have to get fucking medical care. So now you're taking their fucking pay. It's going towards medical insurance and motherfucking student Ooh, loans. Yeah. How the fuck are these kids supposed to buy a house or survive, let alone like start a business with no money? I mean, the American dream in this country it's- is slowly going away. I mean, what I did with 300 fucking dollars, dude, like, I don't know if like I like if I had to do that now. Yeah, man, that would be and, fucking and the thing is the system is pushing the kids into school. Like, I don't know about you, but when I maybe it's not the same exact way. But when I was in high school going back 2003, when oh, I was graduating, yeah, I graduated in 04. Um, it, it, it was no option. Like you went to college after high school or you went into the military. And if you went yeah. to the military, it's because you couldn't handle college. Yeah, and, and you come that, out and hit that GI Bill like a boss. Yeah, right. And like uh-huh. that's that was my perception, you know. And it was all about like going to college. Like they were pushing kids into college who had no clue what they wanted to do in college. Yeah, and it was more about, in my opinion, the conversion rate. Sure. To see how many people like or how many kids they can get into college, so they could say, "Hey, look at our conversion rates." Yeah, the worst. Yeah, and, the, you the, know, most, like, the most the most expensive mistake you can make in life is going to college to just see what's up. Like, yeah. Don't do that. So, I mean, I guess there's a couple things. You, I think you highlighted a lot of your strengths in that. Like, uh-huh. you know, there are satellite little points that you made. Um, the, your strengths that you had, obviously, communication, training, and being able to see a problem, solve the problem, and create systems around the problems. So every time that there's a new problem, you're creating a system. You're, you're not becoming people-dependent. You're becoming system-dependent. Right. Um, Some of the little things I pulled out, but I also I think that um, – now, I, kind of, I want to talk more about the solution to the end of small business, um, but is there anything to unpackage as far as, I mean, those like little details that I picked up on as far as what got you to where you are today? Um, I think I just had some really incredible experiences through life. Yeah. I'm curious that- about this, this communication element. Because like, it seems like you, you feel like one of your strongest assets is your ability to communicate. Actually, it's not. Okay. That's why it's uh, <laughs> it's really not. You know what, dude? There's sometimes I think like, man, what the fuck am I even good at? <laughs> I must be good at something, right? I'm really fucking passionate about the food and doing right by I mean, I fight like every single fucking day. I'm like, yo, how can we give our customers more? How can we give our employees more? And And those are like two things that I guess... I don't, I don't know if like... Is it just doing what's right by your people, taking care of your people? All the fucking time. Yeah. yeah, every time. I think that's part of the human need to to be valued, to be appreciated, you know, to be yeah. seen and to be like, oh, like this person's bringing value into my life. I value this person. I, I, I am hungry for that shit myself. Yeah. Um. Do you think that is, that you know... That's definitely helped me. I think, uh, yeah. you know, give I give back to the, you know, try to give back to, but... Yeah, man. Back to uh, back to the solution for small business. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, my my two cents is you need to really appreciate the business that you have. You need to really appreciate your customers. Um, I was on Facebook the other day, and some one of my fucking friends on Facebook was like, "I fucking hate people. Like the customer's not always right. Like it sucks to be a contractor." And here I'm thinking, like, dude, you think being a contractor is bad? Like, try working with food, man. Right. <laughs> like, you're you're just like, um, I think 
geez, I, I don't even know where to start because I see where it's going. I have some thoughts on that. And part of my mission when I first started this podcast um, was to, you know, transform the industry. And one of the ways I think we're going to transform the industry. And when I say transform the industry, I, I exactly what you're talking about, about building back the middle class by like, if we're going to compete with the big dogs out there, we need to, sh- we need to look at each other as comrades, as, as colleagues and, sh- and lift each other up. Um, I think we need to share information and I think we need to also, I think it comes down to values and understanding human behavior and realizing what we, what we, we need is each other relationships yeah, and tra- and educating people on that. Hey, like you might be able to save 50 cents at Amazon, but like you choosing to spend an extra 50 cents is going to support your community Yeah, and you need people. Just I, as- I look at it like this, man, because I, I always said that people would slit my throat to save 50 cents. So I'm like, how the fuck do we get this shit 50 cents less than Amazon? Right. You know, or, or how can you communicate that? Tell a story. It's 50 cents more for these reasons. Yeah. And how do you make people feel better about their decisions and make it about the decisions? And I think, you know, once I I don't think we understand human nature enough. And I think that that's the future is understanding not to focus on the bottom line, but to focus on happiness. And oh shit, when we think about treating ourselves better, treating the earth better, treating our communities better and, and the, the whole enlightened uh, hospitality approach to life, yeah. you know, you end up feeling better. If you want to be happy, then be a fucking human. Yeah. I think for me, one of the things I'm like passionate about. So like, obviously there's a, um, you know, with like shit before, I mean, like, dude, there was some shit that hit the, fo- the the fan with George Floyd, right? Like, there was really, like, a lot of civil unrest. And I've always been, like, heavily involved in the community, especially, like, trying to help, like, black entrepreneurship. And I finally invested in, into my buddy, Jamaican dude. We're doing um, hydroponic farming for, like, microgreens and shit. And uh, so, like, as entrepreneurs, like, and not not to get, like, political because it doesn't matter if you're fucking republican or democrat or wherever the fuck you are entrepreneurs successful entrepreneurs need to fucking be the example in the community that's why like i'm really excited um i don't know much about elon musk but i feel like he's gonna be one of the fucking dudes like gary v elon musk like these motherfuckers gotta like get rid of this like baby boomer mentality of just like more 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 because like this fucking mess that we're in like it's a like, bro. You're two hundred thousand in fucking student loan debt. Like that's a fucking big yeah. problem of a fucking mess. Yeah. And like, the the people who are in a position to help, like, dude, we need to fucking help. Like, we we need look. There's nothing like, and there's like this fucking stigma about like, oh, it's evil to be rich. It's not evil to be rich. What's fucking evil is like when you're fucking rich and you don't help anybody else. But that's the whole point of being rich, I think, is the people who figured it out in this industry. It's about creating opportunity for others. Right. Yes. And looking out for people and make it fucking cool. Like, yo, the little bit I know about Elon Musk, like, like as an entrepreneur, you look up to other entrepreneurs. And when I found out Steve Jobs, like abandoned his fucking daughter, I was like, yo, fuck that guy. I don't care how successful he is. I don't care what he's done for the world. Like that dude is a piece of shit. Yeah. Straight up. Fuck Steve jobs. You you said it quickly. And I think it's the key is make it fucking cool. Yeah. Yes. That's what has to happen. And and that's real. I think you're right. And I think that it's, if if we educate the general public and we make buying food from your farmer 
really fucking cool. Or even as far as, you know, going to a local cobbler or seamstress to get your clothes. Oh, who are you wearing? Yeah. Johnny from down the street. That's yeah, cool. That is cool. You know, if we make it fucking cool. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's all about psychographics. It's about what does this thing that I'm doing say about me? How does, how is the public going to view me? By doing these things. Yes. Because we, we give a fuck what people think about us, whether we want to admit it yeah, or not. Yeah, but unfortunately what's happening with the media is like they've made it like they're painting this picture that like being rich is evil or like you should be taxed some undisproportionate amount of money. Like there I, – I do believe there is a way for fucking society to thrive and like give back and like help people and create opportunities. It's – the, so like there's there's people who are fucking against capitalism, right? And I think that's a little fucking crazy because yeah, the problem with humanity is just fucking greed. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yep. And when you look at people in power, like capitalists who are in power, they're greed. Right? People can be greedy, but look at all these politicians who are in office for fifty years just fucking off. They're greedy too. Yeah. What's worse? Uh, they're like, it, it, some people are greedy with trying to get more money. I feel like other people are greedy with trying right. to just climb the social status. We need to let, and, but you like know? you can't, you can't fucking tax people out of being greedy, right? Like this answer, like, Oh, just tax the rich, tax the rich. Like we can't just think like more tax or whatever the fuck they thought, dude, the fucking news is insane, but we got to stop. People got to be more conscious of like, look, Hey man, I have a net worth of fucking 10 million or whatever the fucker I make $2 million a year. Let me invest in somebody. Fuck, like, dude, people should be fucking looking for people to invest in. I don't think being rich is an issue as long as you're, and if you're using, if if you're using your 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 assets to build up other people around you, and the thing is, when you when you help other people win, the natural byproduct is you win too. And I think that people that that get rich by going by that method of of building up those around them, and and, and making a bunch of other people wealthy in the process of your creating your own wealth. I think that's the goal is to bring people with you and to, to spread it out to, yes. you know what I mean? And then, and I think that's the key to this industry is like, is, is opening a restaurant or in your case, food delivery and providing value and in, in creating opportunity for those in the process and looking at somebody who, who you mentored and brought up knowing that they have the ability to go on and do it on their own um, and saying, well, you know, I could just help you get there and invest in you, yep. you know, and now you're, you're making this person's dream come true and you just develop the new asset for yourself, the relationship and the monetary assets, you know, um, I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but sure, <laughs> dude, yeah. I'm loving this conversation. Um, is, is there anything I guess I, time always goes by so fast. We're already an hour and 14 minutes into this thing. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about Rob Giuliani. Oh yeah. Because he, he said that you were a huge mentor to him <laughs> that, and you really helped him. So I'm curious, um, what, how, how have you helped him? How have you helped other people? Give me an example of what you're doing to help other businesses in your community. Uh, well, there, there was, um, so I think Rob Giuliani's a big fan of mine because there was this guy who lived upstairs from this building we rented and, uh, he was always like this loud mouth Brooklyn guy wanted to fight everybody. And, uh, he was just fucking yelling, trying to fight Rob, always getting in Rob's face, trying to fight him. And, uh, you know, one day it was 4th of July weekend. And, uh, one day, man, he's all drunk. He's getting loud with my father-in-law 
and he's getting loud with my mother-in-law and then uh he got loud with my with my wife and i'm like fuck man like this motherfucker just crossed like <laughs> he just crossed every line so i ended up knocking him out i hit him i fucking missed with the i missed with the haymaker and i came back with the elbow fucking cracked him in the side of the head knocked him out got away you got away or he got I got away? I, no no he was he was unconscious I got away and uh everybody was so happy cuz he was like the town asshole and uh I guess like that summer I was a fucking legend cuz I like fucking knocked out the town asshole but uh, <laughs> uh this is New Jersey by the way all right I know if you got like listeners all over the country no like judging you <laughs> no, I mean in New Jersey fights fucking happen I haven't been in a fight that was 2016 I haven't fought anybody since then but uh yeah, I fucking knocked that guy out. So this is how this is how, in your opinion, <laughs> Rob looks up to you. Uh, but you also helped him in his business. Did what, so, so I'll tell you a funny story. I, I don't know if it's funnier than me knocking some guy <laughs> out, but uh, funny. The next day, he was like, "Oh man, like you know, like chick got carried away. You know, don't worry, I'm not going to sue you." I'm like, "Geez, what type of fucking world do we live in that like you could try to fucking fight me, my wife, my like." Because you're you, the one that put an end to it. You're exactly. Like, dude, yeah. you provoked this so fucking bad that I had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I guess I, what I'm getting at is. So I'll tell you how, how yeah. I. So in the, so me and Rob, E Clean Bro was like my baby. Pliables was his baby. Like it was like really original, really original stuff. And like we put our heart and souls into our business. And what had happened. It it happened to me earlier than it happened to him. So I was prepared to give him advice was, you know, they say like fucking imitation is the best form of flattery or whatever. I fucking hate when people say that, like it just pisses me off. Like, yo, go be passionate about what you're passionate about and go fucking blaze your own trail. Stop copying everything I'm fucking doing. Yeah. Stop trying to poach my fucking customers. Like there's a way to do business respectfully, right? Like if I don't know if you have a girlfriend or whatever, but like, if I was trying to like pick up your girl, like, wouldn't you be like, bro, like there's a fucking million other girls, like go get your own girlfriend. Yeah, like, what it. are you fucking doing? Yeah. So that's what happens in business. So like, I always say, I watched like, I watched the rise of muscle maker grill when I was like a failure trying to do this shit. I never once in my fucking life sat inside a muscle maker grill parking lot, handing out flyers to like my food, you know, muscle maker did its thing. I sat back and fucking watched. I wasn't like some sour turd trying to steal Muscle Maker Grill's business. Like yeah. Muscle Maker Grill did its thing. Um, so what ended up happening was like there was like these kids who started a meal prep company and were just fucking like terrorizing me on the internet. They had this deal with the retirement community. The chef had been stealing food from the retirement community, selling them stolen food. They were couponing the fuck out of everything they did. And they were just targeting my customers with like way cheaper um, prices. And it was aggravating. It was yeah. like all over Instagram and Facebook. And they would fucking I can imagine. find my friends on Facebook and call them. And like it was harassment. Like mm. it's truly a miracle that these kids didn't end up in jail. I mean, the shit these kids did, like they were just really reckless, super disrespectful, tasteless, um, fucking assholes. They, they put me, they put me through the fucking ringer, man. And, uh, 
at that time, like I just had too much to lose, you know, like I, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't go and fight them. I didn't even know who the fuck they were. So I'm like, damn, I guess I got to just take it. You know, like there's so many laws that it's crazy how, how the law works, you know, like these kids were so immoral, right? But like immoral is not illegal. So, but so, so now going back to Rob, okay. So there was like a lot of people ripping off pliables like left and right. And it made hit Rob psychotic. Like Rob wanted to fucking kill these people. Yeah. And I'm like, Rob, like, dude, just chill. Like, I'm telling you, like, these guys are going to, they're going to put themselves out. Like, yeah. just wait it out. Like, I would have kids go to the gym and throw my shit in the garbage and, like, talk mad shit and try to, like, hurt my business all the time. Like, it, it, in the beginning, it was so normal. Like, oh, you're going to start a meal prep company? All right, go go bash E-Clean, bro. Go, like, talk bad about E-Clean, bro. Like, and it used to really bother me, but then I'm like, dude, like I've like nobody ever comes out of this on top. Like everybody fails, goes out of business, and like some last longer than others, but like they eventually all go down. And like I was always there for Rob to just talk him off the ledge with like a lot of the because like what happens, bro, is like you're moving so fast, your life is accelerating so fast, you're trying to keep up, you're not prepared to deal with it. And you're trying to adjust, and then you have all these fucking gnats like biting your ankles. Yeah. Do you ever just let a mosquito bite you? No, you smack that shit. Right. But in business, you gotta just let the mosquito drink. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually it fucking pops its own self. But like it is an unnatural thing to do. Yeah. And as a business owner or a fucking trailblazer like me and Rob were or are, like drink, drink, keep drinking, come on, come on, pop. Yeah. All right, you just popped your own fucking you're dead. But I, I didn't. It. I didn't. I didn't smack you. I just let you fucking kill yourself, and and that's something I was. And and I think because I was really the only one Rob knew, and Rob knew I knew that shit firsthand. So like, if you have a fucking problem in life, and you go to somebody like, like when we were talking about Adderall together, I felt like, wow, all right, so you know what it's. It yeah. felt like much um, easier to talk about. We had something to relate to, but for somebody who doesn't like. They, they don't know what that's like. So like with Rob, man, that that's like, I was his therapist a lot of the times. But I, like, yeah, man, I, I love that. I think that's a great lesson because I, like, as you start growing, I think you see this a lot when people have an idea, they're like, oh, I can't share this information. I can't share this idea. And I know it's not the same exact point that you're trying to make, but I think that at the end of the day, if you're, if you're playing the long game, which is what you've been playing where, where for you, it's clearly about the relationships. It's a clearly about the people. Um, People can try to do the same exact stuff. They can go through the same motions, but that's just stuff. At the end of the day, it's all about your reputation, your integrity. I drove down from New Hampshire. Yeah. You made yourself available to me. Yeah. You have integrity. It's about relationships. It's about the long game. It's about how do, peop- how do I make people feel? And if you give a fuck about what people feel and how they feel and what they think about you, and you and you have integrity to show up and to to keep your the the value of your name strong and yeah. to keep integrity into your name, and then you're gonna make it. And who cares if people are trying to copy you? Because at the end of the day, you know that they're not you. They don't have yeah. your same values, and they're not playing the long game like you. They're trying to get rich quick. It's hard. It's hard to feel that way when you're in it. Because when you're so like for me, bro, I'm putting every fucking bit of heart and soul I have into this and now these kids are offering a fucking similar meal for a way lesser price customers don't know that the food was has been stolen that they're fucking selling you stolen food I never stole anything yeah my fucking nothing about e-clean bro is like 
stolen. So like you're competing against fucking immoral kids who are just poaching customers and people like coupons. People like to save money. If you could fucking get it for a dollar cheaper somewhere else, most people go for the cheaper dollar. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, that's the mentality you have to have. You have to sit back and be like, you know what? Like, and thankfully for me, man, I had, uh, I had people around me that would talk to me that way and let me know, like, just chill out, play it cool. Yeah, It'll- man, that's a huge lesson. And I think that's a great way to go into the speed round. Uh, but before we go into the speed round, I ask all my guests this, the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. How have you transformed personally over the past 14 years since making a go at this? Personally? Yeah. Oh, oh man. Well, I fucking try to listen before I speak. Mm. Um, try to think, think before I speak. Um, really just try to treat people the way I want to be treated and actually just try to always take things and, and make things as simple as possible. Awesome. I've loved this conversation. Uh, one more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you already use and trust like toast, turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months absolutely free. Head over to www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S.com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Get on it. Head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to find out why Toast POS is the number one recommended POS on the show by a landslide. So there's a bunch of reasons why Toast is being recommended on the show, but I'm finding the most common reason is because of their customer support. And now, while I don't think you'll need their customer support all the time, when that Friday night rolls around and there is a question you have and you're busy, you're going to wish you were able to get right into that customer support and they will be there for you. Uh, the other reason why Toast is always being recommended on the show is because of how many other platforms integrate with Toast. So you can literally marry all the technologies in your company together. They'll, they'll work together. They integrate together and you can turn on these additional features as you need them. It's like flipping a switch. It's that easy. So that's why I love toast. That's why my guests love toast. And again, if you want to learn more, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, I'll send you a check for a thousand dollars when you become a customer. We're back, and the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Oh, passion, dude. I love it. What is your biggest weakness? Mm, organization. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're building your team? I think collaboration. Collaboration is very important. I love that. It's one of our core values here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Mm. I love it. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today? Competing against brands with uh, much bigger bank accounts. <laughs> How are you combating that? 
how I always combat it, man. Like three, 300, man, just double down on our strengths. Um, appreciate the customers and keep moving forward. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a core value, a way to be. Oh, it's golden rule, baby. Treat people the way you want to be treated. I love it. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within your business when it comes to food delivery, but not common throughout the industry. No contracts is one thing I like. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there is there is no contracts. That that's pretty uh, that's pretty unique. What made Eat Clean Bros special back in 2013 was we were like the first healthy meal delivery service that you could order healthy prepared meals with no contract or minimum. That made us very special. I think there's a lot of things I try to do to differentiate myself from everyone else, but that's probably the the biggest. I think it goes right back to integrity, man, that like sure. your relationship is, I mean, contracts are important, you know, to protect yourself, but at the same time, um, you're not, you know, it's about the relationship, you know, and if you exactly. take care of people, I you always, don't need to lock them in. I always wanted, I said, let my food and service be my contract. Oh, what's one book that's a must read to make us a better person or food and beverage operator? I'm glad you put food and beverage operator because <laughs> there's three books I really like. But if you need to, it doesn't um, have to be food or anything that will make us better or a restaurant. How to or how to better. win friends and influence people? Yes, that is that is critical. That book. What's the biggest lesson from that book? Dale Carnegie. Right. Yeah, Dale Carnegie. The biggest lesson, man. It's. It's really how to make, um, it's dude for, for like problem solving skills, social interactions. Uh, ultimately the book is, is, is basically like how to communicate with people in a way where you, you can successfully let, it's a book for communication. It's a great book. It's, it's a, a must great, read. it's a fucking classic. It's on audio. If you haven't, um, if, if anybody's listening to this does not have a membership to audible, uh, I'm telling you right now, audiobooks will change your life. That book is on audio. Head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable and uh, 15 bucks goes to the podcast. And thank you in advance. You also get one free credit when you use that link. So um, what is one service you've hired or outsourced? Um, I know maybe oh, tech technology. So what's one technology you guys are leveraging that is cross, you know, you, you can utilize this tool in other like the restaurant industry too. That's not specific to meal delivery, oh, I guess. Um, well, like we we use like Mailchimp. So your email that's marketing, like, yeah, that's just I think I don't even know who the hell we Mailchimp's, use now. That's Mailchimp, tech, yeah. yeah, Mailchimp was good. I think we use somebody else now. Was it ConvertKit? I don't know. I try. I only outsource the things I have to outsource. I try to. I love creating jobs. Yeah, that would probably be the one. So this is the last question. It's a doozy. Are you ready for it? Sure. <laughs> if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your business would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and your legacy. What would it be? Or what would they be? The three pieces of wisdom. Hmm. The problem is it was just it's just so like obviously you gotta treat people the way you want to be treated. Listen to your gut. Just try to always do right you know treat people the way they want to be treated listen to your gut and always do right i have loved this conversation jamie thank you so much for coming on the show we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out that's how i found you yeah. so who's one person you respect and admire <laughs> uh and I, I usually say in the restaurant industry but uh, we can do 
food and beverage industry to open it up a little bit more. I'd have to go with the fucking notorious Tommy Dan Breezy. Tommy and, and Dan Breezy? Or is that Tommy one? Tommy Dan Breezy, yeah. All right, Tommy Dan Breezy, I'm coming after you. Who's, <laughs> what, what, what restaurant is he behind? The Butcher Block. The Butcher Block. I'd love to get you on the show. And now, how can we connect with you if we um, maybe have some questions about today's episode or maybe want to come join your team? Um, sure. My my Instagram is Jamie Giovanazzo. I think I'm the only Jamie Giovanazzo on Instagram. Ever. <laughs> I don't I don't think there's any other ones. Um, or you could just email me, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at ecleanbro.com. And, and I know I want to give you special nods right now because I know that you had a rough past 24 hours. And I want to appreciate yeah, you. Thank I know you, you're tired right now. I want to appreciate you for yeah. for showing up and having integrity thank man, you, man. And, and joining me today. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you. We'll brother. cut it there. Cheers. <laughs> There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Stoppable. I hope you guys all found value in today's chat. And uh, I just want to say special thanks to Jamie for showing up today. I know he had a very long uh, previous 24 hours leading into this interview, and he had the integrity, uh, the decency to power through and show up for our time. Uh, so just thank you very much for, for doing that and, and, and making a great episode today. Uh, lots of great things came out of today's chat. I think the big takeaways, obviously, uh, you you got to just keep showing up and that's one of our core values. You know, you're going to fail and that's fine, but keep getting up, keep trying. It took Jamie seven attempts before they finally got the traction they needed to get eat clean bro to where it is today. And then also behind every great restaurant is a great person. So if you want a great business, that that journey of greatness starts with you working on yourself and overcoming whatever challenges that might be holding you back. And I think for Jamie, that was getting real with his addiction uh, to Adderall and overcoming those addictions. And then, you know, as soon as he was able to do that, it was like he found six gear and um, his business started to take off. And then lastly, the importance of relationships and knowing that you can't do it alone, that it takes an army to be the best. And, and Jamie absolutely recognizes that it came out in his story. Um, so guys, tons of ways you can support the show uh, right now. The best way to support the show is by supporting our sponsors. If our sponsors are getting people to sign up for their services, they'll buy more ad space. It's that simple. Uh, you can join the network. Uh, so the network is my way of really just focusing on, on the most loyal listeners, developing those relationships and helping people who are listening to the sh show connect with those in my network, past guests and the tools and services being recommended. And speaking of the network, this week in the network, we have Rudy Mick joining us to host a workshop on costing the costing secrets nobody taught you until now. Uh, it's going to be a very powerful a workshop. We already have 12 people signed up for that. So come join the network. Be a part of that workshop. That's Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Then on Tuesday, we have Play IQ coming on to do a demo, a live demo in the, in the, the network. Uh, they're going to show you basically how the product works, and you're going to be able to ask your questions to the, the sales rep. And it's going to be a, um, hopefully a few people who have recommended this tool are going to be joining us to, to talk about their experience with Play IQ as well. And then lastly, guys, another way you can support the show is by sharing this with anybody and everybody that you know who's aspiring to be great in the industry. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.